my family was against me, my friends were against me, all my, sure. every, pretty much everybody I knew was like, you are a freaking idiot. Like, you need a full-time job. There is no way you're going to be successful in real estate. And I did it. I, I did it. It took me about a year, year and a half to catch like really, really, really consistent deal flow. But my first year in real estate full-time, I made a hundred grand going from a job making like 45,000. So I more than doubled my income my first year and it changed my life. And then my oh, second God. year, my second year, I made over 150 grand. By third year, I had made $250,000 that year. And then it just kept getting better. Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I am Aisham Hips here, and I'm joined by my main dude, Mr. Tanner Santucci. What up, bro? What's up, man? It's a good day. It's a great day, actually. Guys, in the house today is a gentleman that I have been fascinated by on social media for some time now. So to be able to, to have him in the studio and pick his brain, this is going to be a good one. We are joined today by Mr. Chaotic Real Estate himself, Justin Ship. Justin, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going, what's going on, guys? Um, good to have me on. I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out to me. I know we've been trying to connect for a couple months now, getting me on here, but uh, I'm glad we was able to finally carve out some time to do it. Absolutely, sure. dude. It's all good, man. We prefer busy people. You know, if, if people are just volunteering to come on the show, then, it, it, you know, we may not be able to extract as much value as someone who's a tough get. So thank you for taking the time to do this, man. But yeah, No problem. Dude, I, I want to jump right in because like I said, um, you're a person who I've been following on social for, for some time now. And when, when Tanner and I first got started, I'll speak for me, uh, but when I first got started uh, earlier in the year, last year, um, I would see a lot of your posts, dude. And you were one of the few people that weren't in any of these communities, you know, whether it's, you know, Astro or Paces Group or any of that, who you were just being real. You know, you were, you were posting normal stuff. I remember seeing your billboards and all the cool. And I'm like, this dude got it, man. He understands branding. Um, he's being very helpful because you were always like, you know, look, just looking to help people. But then you're also real. You know, you were, you were yourself. You weren't trying to act like you were someone else on, on social. And, and I always appreciate that, man. So to see the success that you've been, you know, clearly having, um, and, and now to have you on the show is, is huge. So again, thank you, brother. And I want to, I want to jump right in by learning more about you. So you're in the Georgia market, right? You're in Atlanta area. Yeah, that's correct. I'm a, I've kind of focused more on the West side of Atlanta outside the perimeter. Um, I don't really do anything inside the city limits of Atlanta, but I'm within, you know, 30, 40 minutes of Atlanta. I'm right outside. Awesome, brother. And where are you originally from? I'm. From where I'm at, so yeah, born and raised in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. Um, well, actually, I was, uh, you know, I was born in Kennesaw, Georgia, but I was raised in Hiram, Georgia, which is uh, a little bit further um, to the northwest of Atlanta. But uh, basically, within 45 minutes of Atlanta, born and raised here, been here all my all my life, and uh, you know, grew up here. And when I got into real estate, just kind of wanted to keep making my community better, you know. Awesome, brother. Well, dude, I, I want to dive in a little bit more into kind of your origin story because I, I feel like it really helps people get an understanding um, and maybe even, you know, 
be able to relate to you a lot more. And so take us back to what it was like growing up in Kennesaw. Give me, give us, us a little bit of family dynamics and what life was like growing up. Okay. Uh, so honestly, I grew up pretty poor, you know? So, um, I grew up in, you know, small town, Paulding County, uh, not so small anymore, but, uh, grew up in Paulding County, um, had a pretty good childhood, but you know, we were pretty much broke. Um, my dad passed away when I was eight years old in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And, uh, shortly after that, um, our house burnt down six months Mm -hmm. after my dad passed away, our house burnt down. So, uh, needless to say, I had a pretty rough childhood, um, pretty much lost everything that we cared about and, uh, had to move into a trailer. Um, my mom remarried, but we pretty much stayed poor throughout my whole childhood. And I had to basically start working at 15 to, to make any kind of money to kind of help out and to do anything I wanted to do. Um, my parents couldn't afford to get me a vehicle. So I worked my ass off to, to get me a vehicle. Um, had a really crappy vehicle with that, but I <laughs> learned how to work on vehicles myself. And, you know, with me coming from the background that I had, you know, I basically had to learn how to work on vehicles myself so I could, you know, keep them running because I couldn't afford to have them fixed or have anything nice. So basically in high school, I was working at Ace Hardware, kind of worked my way up in at Ace Hardware for a couple of years. Um, Decided I wanted to try to go to college. Uh, could not afford college. I had the Hope Scholarship, but uh, that didn't cover the schooling that I was wanting to go to. So never went to college. Ended up working as a garbage man, which sucked. Um, right out of high school, got a job as a garbage man. Was making like 10 bucks an hour. It was absolutely terrible. Worst job ever. Um did that for a couple of years. I ended up working my way up to getting a CDL license so I could start driving the garbage trucks. That was slightly better, but still not making good money. Uh, got into truck driving. Um, also did some stunt riding on motorcycles for a couple of years on the side. Um, kind of did a little bit of everything. I had some some internships at a couple of body shops that I started to learn how to do body work on cars and stuff like that. And then eventually ended up getting into powder coating and, uh, I worked at a powder coating shop for about seven years and then transitioned into real estate after I got fired from that job. So it was, a, you know, not something I ever intended on doing. I never intended on getting into real estate. I had no background in real estate. I had no rich family or friends in real estate. I had really nothing that would inspire me to ever get into real estate other than the fact that I lost my job and I made a post on Facebook saying, hey, I'm looking for a new job. And a guy I knew who was kind of part-time wholesaling was like, hey, you should get into real estate. And I was like, I have no idea anything about real estate. And he had me go to some crazy $3,000 seminar in Atlanta. And I wasted like my last three grand that I had in my bank account to go to the seminar. Right after I lost a job, I had my wife depending on me, my kids depending on me, and no money in the account. And I went to this stupid real estate seminar that didn't teach me anything. And all it did was spark my interest though. So basically from that point, I I was like, well, I'm interested in this whole real estate thing. I just don't know much about it. You know, I just know that I'm interested. So I really, from there, um, a buddy of mine owned a motorcycle shop at the time and he kind of helped me out. He was like, I know you're trying to get back on your feet. 
um, I can hire you to come work at my shop working on motorcycles for a little while until you kind of figure things out. So I, I went to work with, with him for a little while working on sport bikes and stuff and uh, was barely, barely making enough money to pay our bills. And uh, while I was doing that, I was calling realtors. I was calling lawyers. I was calling other investors and I was just asking them questions. I was literally just Googling real estate attorneys and calling them and saying, Hey, and I was basically faking it till I make it kind of thing. I mean, I was calling them up and saying, Hey, I own a, I, I own a real estate company right here local. And I'm just trying to call you to find out if you know anything about wholesaling, you know, I'm thinking about getting into this wholesaling thing. I've been buying houses, but now I'm thinking about wholesaling some of these houses I get. And he's oh, like, wow. yeah, yeah, let me, uh, let me send you an assignment contract and I can explain how you do, how you fill it out. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That sounds great. And basically they'd send me a, email with that contract i'd read it over study it and go and then i call another attorney and be like hey i got a question about a real estate contract that i'm looking at and i'd ask him whatever question i had and then i'd call a realtor and be like hey have you ever worked with a wholesaler before i got this wholesaler that sent me a property and i just basically just was calling all these people just asking them random questions that i could use to like fill in the puzzle to figure out how it is that i can wholesale and make money doing that and once I figured out enough knowledge without spending money, without without going to any more seminars, as, as far as learning wholesaling, I, I basically did it all by just calling and talking to people mm. and then basically messaging people on Facebook, asking them questions, calling people, asking them questions, emailing people, asking them questions. And once I had all the pieces to the puzzle together to kind of understand the format of wholesaling, then I made a post on Facebook was like, Hey, I'm looking to buy a property. Does anybody have any houses they want to sell? I'm looking for a really crappy house to buy. And my oh, first deal came on Facebook. So a friend of mine that lived in Macon, Georgia at the time, he hit me up. He goes, Hey man, there's a house directly across the street from me. That's vacant. And the bank just put a sign in the yard a couple days ago. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. Okay. I don't know if you can wholesale from a bank. I've never done, I've never even wholesaled before. I don't know if that's even possible. So I was like, Hey, can you get me the number on the sign and take a picture of the house? So he did. And I called the bank and I was like, Hey, I'm a real estate investor that buys a lot of houses up in North Georgia thinking about go coming into the making market. Um, I noticed that you had a house on this street. Would you be interested in selling that? And they're like, well, yeah, we just put a sign out two days ago. I'm like, Oh, that's great how much are y'all looking to get out of that property? And they said, well, we're asking $15,000. Hmm. And it was a small bank. I think the bank's name was like, uh, it was like the bank of Wrightsville or something. Nice. Or, I don't know. It was a small, it was like a small, tiny bank and I'd never heard of it. And I was like, okay. So I was like, who do I need to talk to about making an offer on it? And so the lady on the phone goes, well, let me contact you or put you in contact with the bank manager. He's the one that would be talking to you about it. I said, okay, great. Do that. So she transferred me over and I called and I talked to the, uh, the bank manager and I was like, Hey, I'm wanting to make an offer on that house. You know, have y'all had any offers on it whatsoever? He said, well, no, but it's only been, you know, listed for two days. I said, well, I'll give you three grand for it. And he was like, he laughed and was like, come on, man. I'm not, we're not taking three grand. <laughs> Well, here's my number. Let me know if you change your mind. Mm. Well, two weeks go by and I didn't hear nothing. And I've been, I was looking around for other deals and stuff. I couldn't find none. So two weeks later, I just followed back up. I call him again. 
hey, this is Justin, that real estate investor from North Georgia. I just wanted to find out if you had any more thoughts on that $3,000 offer I made you. He goes, well, we thought about it, but we just can't go that low. Would you be willing to do seven grand? And I said, nah, I don't think it's worth seven grand. That thing's a teardown. I was like, can I, uh, can we, can we meet in the middle? Can I give you 5,500 for it? Hmm. And he said, you know what? Send me a contract at Shores. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right, uh, send me your email or, and, uh, I'll, I'll get a contract to you before the other day. And at this point I'm at work making the call on my lunch break. Wow. So I'm like, okay, okay. What do I need to do? So I called one of the attorneys that I previously called and I said, Hey, um, I got this property I'm looking at buying in, um, in, uh, Macon, Georgia, but I don't have a purchase and sell agreement that I like. Um, do y'all have a purchase and sell agreement template that I can just look at and see if I can make some changes to mine to make it look more appealing? He said, yeah, we can send you a purchase and sell agreement. That's not a problem. So they sent me a purchase and sell agreement and then I filled it out and then sent it to the bank. And they signed it. They sent it back. And then I sent it to the closing attorney. I said, hey, I'm going to use you guys since y'all help me out with that person's sale agreement. Here's the here's the contract. Um, let me know what I need to do. And they were like, okay, great. Uh, we'll be back in touch with you once we got title ran. Then I was like, crap, I don't got $5,500 to buy this house. Pretty cheap, but I don't have that. So what do I need to do? So I went back to Facebook. And I said, hey, guys. I just uh, decided to buy a property and then I started thinking about it and it's in the area I really don't like because I don't know how I'm going to have my manor, my uh, contractors go all the way to Macon to work on it. Started thinking about it and I'd rather just assign this to somebody else. Does anybody on my friends list buy houses? And basically before this post, by the way, I had went through and added like every realtor and investor and lawyer that was within 30 minutes of me that I could find online. Like I Googled them. And then I'd find them on Facebook and send them a friend request. So I'd like, I'd added like maybe 500 people in real estate by the, by this point. Smart. So I just made a post. I was like, Hey, I'm looking to get 9,000 bucks for this property and making, is anyone interested? And I just posted a bunch of pictures of it. Well, a friend of mine hit me up and goes, Hey, I'll buy that for 8,500. If you, if you're serious. And I said, yeah, I'm dead serious. I'll sell it to you for 8,500. So I sent him an assignment contract. He signed it. I sent it back to the attorney. I said, hey, let me know what I need to do. Here's the assignment contract that you sent me a while back. Um, where do we go from here? He goes, well, we'll just set a closing date and we'll go from there. So I figured all this out within like a couple of weeks and just kind of dove right in without no knowledge, really. And then two weeks later, we close on the property. I get a check for three grand at closing and I'm like, Holy shit, I just made three grand <laughs> in off one deal that only took me like maybe a couple hours worth of work. And all I did was pretty much talk to people. I just got paid to talk to people. I was like, and I love talking to people. Yeah. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Working <laughs> at a motorcycle shop when I could be just talking to people and making the same amount of money in a month. So I was like, so I basically quit. I was like, hey, I'm just gonna quit. So I quit and basically dove right into to the real estate game. Um, basically started just going around, driving for dollars, just looking for vacant houses. And then if I seen a vacant house, I would knock on the neighbor's door and be like, hey, do you know what's going on with the house next door? And they'd talk to me and say, hey, I don't know nothing. Or, hey, yeah, that's so-and-so's house. And then, anyways, but I, I got my start basically with door knocking. 
and and driving for dollars. And I did that for about a month or two, and I was not doing too good when I finally got a call from my old boss at the powder coating shop. And he was like, hey, you know, if you want to come back, we can work a deal out where you can come back and work for a little while. He goes, we kind of need you. He goes, we're going to, there's going to be some changes and stuff if you come back. But, you know, if you want to come back, I was like, you know what? I really need a more steady income for now. So I went back and I went back and I worked for like five months there while also studying real estate, while also any time he was not around, I was making phone calls sure. in the back. So about five months in, I finally started getting some good traction. I mean, I was locking up a deal or two a month while working a full-time job. So within a five or six month period, I finally just was like, you know what? I'm done with this place. I'm going to go full-time to real estate. I'm going to do this. Uh, see you later. And everybody laughed. Everybody was like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. dude, you need a steady job. Like my family was against me. My friends were against me. All my, sure. every, pretty much everybody I knew was like, you are a freaking idiot. Like you need a full-time job. There is no way you're going to be successful in real estate. And I did it. I, I did it. It took me about a year, year and a half to catch like really, really, really consistent deal flow. But my first year in real estate full-time, I made a hundred grand going from a job making like 45,000. So I more than doubled my income my first year and it changed my life. And then my oh, second yeah. year, my second year, I made over 150 grand. By third year, I had made $250,000 that year. And then it just kept getting better. And then here I am now, you know, about six years in, seven years in, and on average, you know, making half a million dollars a year. And now the first couple of years I was in real estate, I'd say like the first three, three and a half years, I strictly was wholesaling. But then after I got enough money up and stuff, I started kind of diving into doing a flip here and there until I got to the point where I feel comfortable going full-time into flipping. So for the last three years now, I've been flipping full-time. I haven't done any wholesales. So hmm. now I'm a full-time flipper. Holy there is, smokes. There is so much to dissect in that. So I'm going to give you my from but there me. is, there's so much. I have some, I can ask away. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. So if there's anything, I know, I know, you know, from y'all's perspective, y'all, there's probably some specific questions you had about, you know, what I was doing for marketing or, you know, what kind of deals was I going after, whatever. I mean, y'all can ask me whatever y'all want, but uh, that's just the kind of the quick rundown of my life in a nutshell and then how I got started in a nutshell. Dude. Here's the thing. I don't care about any of that stuff you just mentioned. I want to I want to dig into your story. Like the tactics can kick rocks. So guys, if you're listening or watching and you're hoping that we'd get into the nitty-gritty, um you you're in the wrong podcast. But here's the good news. You're actually in the right podcast because before you get the tactics and all that stuff right, you've got to get the mindset right and we're about to climb into Justin's head. So, dude, first of all, <clears throat> <laughs> I wanted to, to just, oh my gosh, like that was incredible. Um, thank you so much. And you know what I always love? And I, I, I tell Tanner this from time to time. I look forward to forgetting how long I've been doing this. And you're yeah. like, uh, six, seven years, something like that. Like, I know exactly how long I've been doing this. <laughs> so, I, uh, man, shout out to you for that. But look, you clearly, um, I mean, you, you had a lot of pain earlier on in your life. And you made the decision 
to, to change that. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that, that maybe not a lot, but there's, there's quite a few people that have had some tragedy early on in life, you know, maybe not having, you know, a father or a parent pass and their house burning down six months later, but maybe something that extreme, you know, and those people may still be where they're at right now mentally. What do you think is different about you? Why, why are you different? So there, there's a, uh, there's a, not really a saying, but uh, a story that I love to uh, kind of hit on on this. So I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I'm sure you probably have. But, you know, you got two siblings, right? And you got two siblings, same exact situation growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like they had, they literally grew up in the same household, same parents, same everything. One becomes super, super successful. And the other one becomes a drug addict in jail, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes up to him and go, man, how did you get in this uh, this situation that you're in to the to the guy that's broke and, you know, not doing well, right? And he goes, man, it was just my, my life growing up, you know, just it held me down, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this, it, it created a chain of events that caused all these reactions or whatever. They blame, right? And then that's why I'm here. And then the other one, man, how did you get so successful? Well, man, the, the situation. I was in growing up, you know, it just, it, it made me who I am because I didn't want to be that person. So mm. you have choices in life, right? And you can either blame somebody or you can do something about it. Mm. And I'm not the blaming type, you know, shit happens to everybody. Everybody has shit they're having to deal with. Everybody has stories. Everybody else has, you know, faults. Everybody has bad shit that's happened to them. You can either blame those for why you're failing, or you can use that to learn from it and go, man, I don't want to keep failing. So one thing is, and you know, I'm sure my brother will never watch this, so I'm okay with saying it, but my little brother <laughs> went down a completely different path than me. You know, mm. I chose to want more out of life and to work hard for it to get out of the same position that my parents were in. I did not want to struggle my whole life and not be able to give anything to my kids or not be able to have sure. anything to leave for them when I die. And then my little brother chose, hey, I'm going to go down the wrong path. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to do make this decision and that decision. And now he spent, you know, seven, eight, nine years of his life in jail. Mm. So it's like you, you have choices in life, and you can either learn from them, learn from them and grow from them, or you can just use that as an excuse not to ever do anything with your life and keep blaming other people. So you oh, got to so figure good. out what it is you want in life and do and go for it. That's so. so good. Dude. So a couple things I wrote down from, from your earlier story, um, because it just, I, I try to notice, notice patterns and things. And it, it seemed like even though you had a lot of jobs, you stayed at them for a decent amount of time, you know, maybe not, you know, the, 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 the garbage truck, you were there for a little while, the powder coating, you were there for a little while. You seem to have this consistency in your, in your life to where you, you stick with something and you stick it out. Um, where do you think that came from? Honestly, I think it's a part of like, I wanted to be successful, but I didn't know how to. Mm. So it was like, like when I got the garbage man job, right. I knew I didn't want to be a garbage man but I didn't know what I could do. Right. Sure. But there was opportunities that I always looked for mm. wherever it was I was at. So it was like, man, I don't want to be a garbage man no more, but how hard would it be to at least be the driver? At least if I'm the driver, I'm not on the back of the garbage truck smelling the shit and 
having to get rained on when it rains. You know, at, at the very right. least, I'm sitting on my ass in the AC and I'm dry. So, and I get paid more. So it's like, what do I got to do to get my CDL license? So I kept bugging my boss, like, how do I get my CDL license? How can I use one of the trucks to take my CDL test? Like, what do I got to do to make that happen? And he's like, if you figure out a way, to, if you can go take your test and you pass it, I'll let you use a truck and you can go get, get your test done. And if you pass it, I'll give you a raise. And I was like, okay, bet. I got a, I got a game plan now. Let's, let's get my license and I'll get paid more. I see. And I did that. And he did not pay me more. So it pissed me off. So I quit. And it, but now I have a license. So now I have something that I can use to make more money. So then I went to another job and I got a huge raise from what I was making. I mean, uh, the, the, my CDL job, my first TO job, I, they paid me $24 an hour. And when I was 19, 20, 21 years old, whenever that was, I got my license and started working with it. That was pretty good money for sure. my age. Sure. So I was happy for a little while, but then I got content and I was like, man, this is not really what I want to do with my life. Like, how can I make more money? So I started thinking again, like, what kind of things can I do right now to get me even further ahead than I want? So I started picking up side jobs, working at nighttime, like driving trucks at night, um, so like that. But I still was not making the money I wanted to make or to the success I wanted to be at. So I started looking Got for it. other opportunities. Got it. So you were just looking for opportunities to kind of get your foot in the door first. And then I can kind of dream once I'm in here, you know, maybe yeah. eventually I can be the, the, you know, a, a, a C-suite executive for waste management or for whoever. And yeah. So like I when I, like when I started working for the powder, show, uh, powder coating shop, for example, um, they had posted a, they had made a post on Facebook looking for um, help. Brand new shop just opened, only been open for like two weeks. And so I went and applied for it and I was one day too late. He's like, man, we just built the job yesterday. I was like, man, I was really wanting this job. Uh, I was like, I'll tell you what, can I work for you all day for free tomorrow? Yes. And if I, if I do a good job, would you consider the possibility of maybe hiring me too or firing the other guy and hiring me instead? And the guy was like, you want to come work for me all day for free? I'm like, I'll work the whole weekend for free. I just want to show you that how valuable I am and how fast of a learner I am. And he was like, all right, fine, come in tomorrow. And I busted my, I got there an hour early, was waiting on him when he got to the door, got, came in and I, I was like, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to learn? Whatever. And I busted my ass all day. And at the end of the day, I go, just give me a call. Let me know if you want me to come in another day or, you know, if, if, if you want to hire me or whatever, I, if you need me to come another day tomorrow as well, just to prove how serious I am, let me know. He goes, be here tomorrow at seven o'clock. And then next day I came and then I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, hey, man, what do you what do you want me to do? And I wasn't expecting a paycheck or nothing yet. And I'm, I'm literally just working for free as far as my thoughts sure. are going. Third day, he goes, come in again tomorrow. After a whole week, he goes, hey, man, you're hired. Like, you're doing good. I know I said that I was going to pay $10 an hour, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start you off at 13 an hour, man. You seem like a really hard worker. I'm like, all right, cool. So I took a huge pay cut going from like $24 an hour working at CDL driver and went to 13 an hour. But within two years, I was making $22 an hour at the powder coating shop and I was managing it and running it. So incredible. Still was not making the money I was wanting to make, but I had a I loved that job a lot more. Absolutely. And I was learning a lot of cool skills that I didn't know prior to that. 
so then I started working other jobs too. Like I was working as a um, forklift operator at nighttime at a, at a Hershey's plant for a little while to supplement more money. And then, you know, like I said, I was taking on CDO jobs occasionally. I'd also, even at nighttime, like people would drop off their bikes to get, you know, powder coated, like wheels and stuff, powder coating. And we didn't do that. So I told my boss, I was like, hey, if anyone wants their wheels or something powder coated on their cars or their bikes, tell them they can drop it off. I will stay late, take the wheels and tires and stuff off the bikes because I know how to work on bikes. I'll take everything off their bike and I'll work on it for free, basically, so we can get the jobs and you can just pay me a bonus or something. So like I was doing whatever I could to make extra money. And eventually it got to where people were, people were just calling me and going, hey, can I drop my bike off at your house and I'll pay you like 200 bucks to take my tires off. And put and powder cut the wheels, put them back on and stuff. So I was I was making money all kinds of ways, whatever I could do to to hustle and make more money. And then eventually, like I said, I got into real estate. Talking to you, uh, it it almost it almost scares me a little. And here here's what I mean by that. Like I I don't want this to sound awkward, but there's a lot of commonalities in our stories, and okay. I haven't talked to a lot of people that, gosh, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about myself because it's, it's you that I'm talking about, but I haven't spoken to a lot of people that are that resourceful and have that all out massive action. No matter what, we're going to figure this out because I've got a goal in mind. And here's, look, here's, here's the takeaway that, that I'm hoping the audience will, will, will get from this. Guys, if you're in the in if you're in the very beginnings, and Justin, by the way, we're gonna dive in a lot, lot deeper on yeah, some of this stuff. But good. if you're in the very beginnings of your business and you've got a lot of how-to questions, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? I'll tell you guys right now, the information is out there. You Absolutely. you're asking the wrong question. What you need to ask is how can I be more resourceful? How how yes. can I go get the thing done? You know, Justin said he didn't have a contract. And so what are people doing? They're going on Facebook and asking others for contracts. Well, I don't want to give you my contract. Like, like there's so many things around that. And so, you know, there, there's, there's that side of the house. Or you can do what Justin did and be resourceful and call an attorney and say, hey, you know, this and that. And so the resourcefulness is unreal. The fact that you were willing to provide value um, without asking for anything in exchange. Look, I, I'll tell this story really quick. This this pot, this fancy podcast mic that I'm, I'm pointing at right now on the video, I bought this thing years ago. Funny story behind it, and I'll keep it really short, is I bought this thing years ago because I wanted to start a podcast. Well, when I went to start this podcast, I knew nothing about podcasts. I had no guests. I had nothing. I just had an idea. So I actually drove to Dallas because the, the space of the podcast that I wanted to be in uh, was the network marketing space. And I was nothing in network marketing. I knew nothing about it, but I just, I was fascinated. And I knew the quickest way for me to get good at this is to interview top people that were crushing it. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast and interview these people. Well, I had no people to interview. So what did I do? I found the number one guy who was doing podcasting and network marketing. I found out he was at an event in Texas. I lived in Texas at the time. So I drove all the way up to Dallas, got an event for this ticket or got a ticket for this event, which I had no interest in being at. I was there to meet that guy. His name's Simon Chan. Um, I, I eventually met Simon um, and I, I asked him a question. I said, hey, you know, I don't want to just take from you. What's something in your business that you just, you, you don't like doing right now. And he's like, well, to be honest with you, and this is over a period of days, by the way, this didn't all happen in one conversation, but he said, to be honest with you, I don't like vetting my podcast guests. 
It's a pain. I wish I could have someone else do it and blah, blah, blah. I called him back the next day and I was like, hey, I want to vet all your podcast guests. Give them all to me. Let me do it. Blah, blah, blah. So I started vetting all his guests. I was, and then he brought me on board the company for free because I asked him, hey, I'm willing to work for you for free. Just bring me on board. I'd love to see how your systems work, your whole process, all that thing. Um, five years later, I ended up becoming the vice president of that company. Um, started working for free. Then he was like, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, I can't keep have, keep you around for free. Let me pay you. Sweet. Yeah, pay me. Absolutely. So he paid me. And then that grew. And the next thing you know, we're traveling the world. We're doing events in Australia, in the UK. We're doing all kinds of cool stuff. I'm making really good money from something that started off for free. But, but here's the takeaway. I wasn't going to him saying, hey, what can you do for me? I went to him saying, hey, what can I do for you? Like, I've got nothing to offer right now. The only thing I have to offer is my time. And look, you either have a lot of time or you have a lot of money. And if you have a lot of money, you're looking for people with more time. And if you have a lot of time, you're looking for people with the money. Um, so I had time, he had the money. And so we, we matched up. And that's exactly what Justin did um, with, the, with the shop. He, he had time on his hands. So he was willing to, to provide value for free and look what you know, ended up happening. So this is the mindset that I'm hoping people will, will kind of glean from, from these podcasts. So dude, thank you so much for that. But let me ask you, uh, so... There's something that you also mentioned earlier on in your story where it was a lot of fake it till you make it, you know, Hey, I've got this going on when you really didn't have that going on. What are your thoughts around fake it till you make it now? So it's funny. Cause now that I've like gained as much knowledge and experience and stuff as I have, I'm not as inclined to say do that, but sure. I still, still recommend it in certain ways. Obviously like, you don't want to be lying to people, you know, because if they find out you're lying, it's going to definitely kill not only your rapport with them, but your uh, credibility, you know, in a certain extent. Right. Uh, sense of it. Um, but I will say, like, there is a sense of faking it till you make it that helps you in business to a certain Absolutely. degree. And when I, what, I, what I mean by that is, like, if people don't know that you're doing stuff, you need to make it look like you're doing stuff because Very if you much. don't, they're not going to recognize you as an actual player in the game. So like I see a lot of wholesalers and stuff. I'll go to their Facebook and I don't see not one single thing about real estate on their Facebook at all. You know, and you'll, you could scroll down their, their timeline and you don't, they don't have no posts at all. Like even if you're just starting out and you have literally nothing on your plate right now, you have no deal. You have no experience. You have no knowledge. You have no nothing to show that you're in real estate. Take it till you make it. Mm. Go out, drive for dollars, look for vacant houses, do a quick selfie in front of the house, do a video at the house. Hey, I'm checking out a house today. It doesn't matter if you're actually making an offer on that house or if you actually have that house under contract or anything. Being being active matters to people more than you realize. Like. If you don't ever post about real estate, if you don't ever have any kind of inclination for people to assume that you're in real estate, um, they're probably not going to think that you're a real serious player in real estate, right? So like for the first year or two that I was in real estate, you know, I might not have had any properties under contract most of the time. You know, you get one deal a month, one deal every other month, whatever, but you want to have people still thinking that, hey, man, this guy's 
he's he's catching some traction. He's, he's doing deals. Yeah. He's making yeah. he's making moves. This guy's growing quick. Like, what's he doing? You want to get people interested in you, interested in your story, interested in your business. So that way they go, man, okay, this guy's he's he's shaking things up. He's making some moves. How can we get involved with him? How can we work with him? How can I get him to work with me and show me stuff? And it was crazy because like the first couple of years I was in real estate, I would just drive around and then I had a selfie stick and I would just drive around. And if I seen a vacant house, I would write down the vacant house. I didn't have no apps, by the way. I would just <laughs> stop in front of the vacant house. I would write down the address. And then later when I got home, I would skip trace the owner on tax records. And then I would go to truepeoplesearch.com and look for the owner on truepeoplesearch.com. And then I'd call him, right? That's how I did it. But before I did all of that, I would stop at the house. I would get out. I'd get my selfie stick. I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm over here in Paulding County today looking at another vacant house, trying to make an offer on this house right now. If you or anyone you know is looking to sell a house, reach out to me. I am always buying. And I would post stuff like that almost every other day. So people are like, damn, this guy is hustling. This right. dude is looking at houses, making offers on houses, buying houses weekly, almost daily. And then it started getting realtors and, and lawyers and other investors started hitting me up constantly on Facebook or Instagram or whatever going, dude, like if you got any deals, send them my way. Like it looks like you're locking up a shit ton of deals. Like and I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry, I already sold that deal. Or, hey man, Love sorry it. that deal didn't work out, but I got a couple more in the pipeline. I'll, I'll keep you on my buyer's list. Um, if you want to be part of my, you know, um, first come first serve and stuff, I got to see that you're actually doing deals and stuff too. Maybe we should grab lunch, talk about, you know, your business a little bit. And I'd go grab, I'd pay for their lunch, ask them a bunch of questions about their business. Like, Hey, what are you doing? How many deals are you doing? How'd you get there? And then they were like, glad to share that information because they wanted to prove that I was, sure. they say was. so I'm learning and then I'm adding them to my buyer's list and stuff. So like, that's what I did for like two years. And it was funny because like within the first year, year and a half of me getting in real estate, I was getting requests from all kinds of people doing podcasts, um, speaking events. Like I think I spoke at probably at least at least one event a month for like two years straight. Wow. Like 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 at least one a month. Like I was every single month someone was going, hey, you want to come speak at our event in Atlanta today? Or hey, you want to come speak at this event in Cobb County where we're talking about talking to a whole bunch of real estate investor, investors and we'd love to have you as a guest speaker. So and how many deals there. were you doing at the time? I was pro my first year I did 27 deals. Okay. Okay. Wow. Which was pretty good. Um, then my second year I did like 40, maybe 41. Um, and then my third year though, I did a lot. I did, I did like 57 deals, wholesale deals Ooh. my third year. And then my fourth year in real estate, I was starting to get into flipping, but we was also wholesaling. And at that time I had partnered up with another guy and we, we had an office and we had like 15 employees and we was doing like, like 13, 14 deals a month. I mean, that year we, we did like over a hundred wholesale deals, but we was also mm. flipping as well. And like we did probably like 13 or 14 flips that year, but we did like over a hundred wholesale deals. Oh, wow. And okay. So when you're getting these, year, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Please go on. No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so when you were getting these speaking gigs, these weren't, it wasn't like your very first year in where you're still kind of faking it to your make it like like you actually had traction then and you were able to. Yeah, so I, I, sp I probably spoke at my first event my first year, but it was 
probably closer to the end of the year, my first year in, I, I maybe like spoke at like a, like a small, like, um, it was like a little small real estate event in Atlanta. Sure. Um, maybe like 20 or 30 people in there. They would just want to talk to us, like have me talk about wholesaling and marketing and stuff like that. So like, that was like my first one ever. And then after that, it kind of snowballed because people, you know, I was pretty good at the, at the speaking thing at, on the event. So like the next month I had like people hit me up going, Hey, we got a couple of events in Atlanta this month. Would you like to come speak at those? And of course I'm not getting paid for these. These are just, just to get my name out there. Absolutely. But most of the people that were hitting me up were not even hitting me up to learn wholesaling. It was because of my branding. Like sure. most of my speaking stuff was wanting, like wanting me to come talk to people about how they can brand and market their business better. So I was doing a lot of that, but then I'd say it was a good, you know, probably 60, 40 ratio of marketing speaking gigs to wholesaling gigs. So people wow. always come out and talk to them about wholesaling and stuff. Dude. Okay. So this is fascinating. Um, so it seems like you had a lot of confidence in the very beginning. You know, I, I wrote down uh, confidence. I wrote down low offer dash confidence because it's fascinating to me that you, you know, you offered three grand on that house and he stuck with it. You know, um, it, it, confidence just seems to be your thing. Um, let me ask you, like when, when you start, when you were starting out, what doubts did you face when you were building your real estate business? And if you had any, how'd you overcome them? Man, I'll be honest. When I first started, I was super, super nervous, but I knew that it was one of those things that if I showed that I was nervous, people would have doubt. And if they have doubt, they're not going to go with my offer. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when you are like, you can tell like, right. Like if you go talk to someone and they start shaking or they're nervous or they're stuttering and stuff and stuff. You don't have a lot of confidence in them. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, like you're not going to take them serious. So even though I was really nervous, I've always been pretty, pretty overly confident on, on stuff. I've, I've always been kind of ballsy with, with how I talk to people and everything. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of, um, of a lot of my jobs. have had me where I've talked to a lot of people. Right. So like when I was, you know, the manager of the powder coat shop, people come in all the time. I was always talking to people and uh, I've had a couple of sales jobs and stuff like that in between kind of too. But um, I've always had like really good um, speaking ability, I guess, when I'm sure. talking to people, like I'm very confident, very outgoing, very social. And I feel like that is a quality that's going to help you a ton, not only in sales, but specifically in real estate. So if you're a really good talker, definitely going to be, you know, working in your favor for this. But when I was first starting, I was extremely nervous because I, I honestly, I didn't know shit about real estate. So really it was just my own self-belief of, okay, I'm nervous, but I just got to pump myself up and, and get through this conversation and hopefully it goes well, you know? And then like, if it don't go well, well, hopefully it goes better on the next one. And it was more like just getting over my own self-doubt of me being right. nervous about talking to people. Um, yeah. Cause I'd go talk to someone. And I'd be like, you know, like, Oh God, Oh God. Oh God. But, and my hands would start getting sweaty and I'd be singing Eminem oh, in my yeah. head. And I'm like, Oh God. And then <laughs> knock on the door. Hey, how's it going? Look, I hate to bother you, but I'm just, I'm interested in buying your house. And it, and then just, as soon as I'd start talking though, like I would start relaxing a little bit and then I, you know, I would just kind of catch the flow and then, and then it was over with. Cause like once you, 
start, right? Like once you get over the fear, mm-hmm. that's when shit happens. And it's the, that's the biggest thing is people can't get out of their own way. They have this built up fear in their head and they can't make the leap to start. And so they keep building up this nervousness that they're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I can't true. Do it. If you can just jump in, just jump in, you know, you'll figure it out and you'll start getting confidence as you do more. Oh, I mean, it's kind of so like it. when you're, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you're like learning to swim, right? And you're, you're so nervous that you're going to drown. You're getting panic attacks, anxiety, and you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to drown. But then once you just jump in and just start swimming, you'll, you figure it out. And then as you swim more, you, you gain confidence. And now you're like, you know, a couple years later, you're jumping in the pool, no problem, right? So that's how it is sure. with real estate. I mean, you just have to dive off the deep end and figure it fucking out. Like there, there's no secret sauce to it other than just just jump in and figure it out. You know, like Amen. the longer you wait, you know, the longer it, it takes you. Dude. So it's funny. Um, just yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Tanner and I were talking and I, I said to him, dude, like what it, what it's like one of the things I've come to love, I was scared of this feeling for the longest time, but I've done it so much now that I actually enjoy it. I look forward to putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I love that weird feeling. You know, there's an old saying that like, uh, uh, your comfort zone is like an old pair of, of underwear you know, the more you stretch it, uh, it's, it, it stays at its same shape. You know what I mean? Like when you expand, it it doesn't go back. It, it stays there. And so when you expand your comfort zone, that's now your new comfort zone. And what I was telling Tanner was the feeling that I love is that feeling of that point of no return. So like, think about this cold pool that's in someone's backyard that no one's jumped in yet. Right. A lot of wholesalers are looking at that pool like, oh man, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do it. Then there's some crazy people that'll just jump in that pool and just go for it. Whatever. The feeling that I love that I've learned to love is that feeling when you make the decision and you actually go into action to the point of no return, which means you stand on the side of the pool, still nothing, still not scared. There's nothing, you know, I I can still back out. But when you jump, that's the feeling that I love. Like, I love that feeling because there's no turning back. Like you're committed. You're there. You haven't had it yet. You haven't been punched in the face yet. Nothing bad's happened yet, but there's no going back. Like when you're, you know, walking in front of your first door and you knocked on it, like crap, I knocked, oh, yeah. like there's no, there's no turning back. I love that feeling. So dude, that's, so I'll give you a, um, I, I'm going to touch base on something that you kind of just talked about. And, yeah. um, and this is kind of like the pivotal point for me, like when it, when it became like, okay, I really do got to take action and just do this thing is when I was first learning real estate, um, I had not done my, I hadn't even done my first deal yet. Um, I had been to that seminar, right? Didn't really learn shit from it. And then um, in between that seminar and me doing my first deal, I went to this networking event for realtors, investors, and wholesalers. I remember going to this event. A friend was going there and he was like, hey, you should go to this event. It's really fucking cool. You'll meet a lot of people there. Bunch of people doing deals, a bunch of killers there, right? And no joke, I got to this event and I'm just jumping right in. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start just hitting people up and like talking to them, find out what their business is like so I can learn some shit. And the first person I walk up to, I'm like, hey, what's going on? My name's Justin. How you doing, man? Uh, so, you know, tell me about your business. Are you are you in real estate? How long have you been in real estate? He's like, man, I've been in real estate for four years. I'm like, oh, my God, you're probably killing it. How many deals do you do a month? He's like, well, and I'm like, 
well, I mean, or, or here, how many deals have you done last year or whatever? He's like, well, I haven't done my first deal yet. Oh, I'm like, no. I'm like, wait a second. You just said you were, you've been in real estate for four years though. He goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I ba basically just been kind of like going to these seminars and studying and like learning as much as I possibly can and stuff. And, you know, I've been doing that for about four years, but I'm, I'm almost ready. And that was the first guy I talked to. And I was like, Oh hell no. Like <laughs> four years, like four years and you haven't done one single deal. Like, what are you, what are you doing? So I like walked away from him. I was like, okay, this guy's a waste of my time. Like you're not doing nothing with your life. So then I go to the next guy and I'm like, Hey man, like what's going on? My name's Justin. I just started my real estate career. Like just wanted to get pumped up, come over here, kind of talk to you guys. You look like you're killing it in real estate. Tell me a little bit about your business. He goes, yeah. So I just started about eight months ago and I was like, okay, cool, cool. How, how's it going so far? He goes, well, I haven't gotten my first deal yet, but I mean, I'm getting close. And I'm like, oh my God, that's twice now. Like, this is not, this ain't looking good so far. So anyways, I ended up take, talking to like 15 people there. And like out of 15 people, like one person there had done like one deal that I talked to. And I'm like, if this is my competition, then I don't think I'll have nothing to worry about. I just need to jump in and start doing some stuff. So. So it was literally that event that really like sparked me to go, fuck that. Like I'm not waiting. All these, like, all these other dudes are doing. I'm I'm about to just jump in and kill it. Like they can they can be swimming behind me in my tide because I'm about to be making some waves up in real estate. And Dang. I literally went home and I, I I got online and I and I and I researched some graphic designers and marketers and stuff and I, I reached out to them and I was like, hey. I want the bad, some badass business cards that don't even look like I'm in real estate. And he, he, the guy called me the next day. He goes, Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm the owner of Create Graphics. He's like, What's going on? I was like, Hey, uh, he goes, I got your email. I was kind of confused. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? He goes, We do some cards for like Keller Williams or something like that. I'm like, No, 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 no. I was like, When I went to this event last night, every single person had these white business cards. They all looked the same. I didn't know who was who. After, when I left the meeting, I had all these cards. They all looked the same. I was like, that was number one. Number two, like nobody is hardly doing anything in real estate. Like everybody is like super boring. They're they're not even trying to get deals. I don't know what the heck's going on. But I was like, I want to shake things up. He goes, so what are you what are you thinking exactly? And I'm like, I want my business cards to look like I own a tattoo shop. Goes, <laughs> what? I was like. Yeah, I want them to be like wild, crazy, in your face, super loud, super like if someone wants to pick it up off the floor, they go, what is this, a tattoo shop? Like, what, what is it? And then they've turned over and it says real estate and they're intrigued. I want them to be intrigued when they pick up my card. I was like, that's number one. Number two, I don't want my cards to feel like a business card. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't, I don't know. I want them to be like different. I was like, is there like, like a fuzzy business card or like something that feels good in your hand? He goes, they got these cards like that are like suede. I was like, yeah, I want those. He goes, they're expensive. I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. I, I want them. I don't care. So I did that. And then I was like, hey, dude, can you can you like design, redesign my logo, make it cooler? He goes, yeah, yeah, we can do that. I was like, all right, cool. I want that. I was like, hey, do you know anybody that does t-shirts and hats? I want those. And then like the next time I went to a, a, a event, this is still before my first deal. But before my, like by the time I did my next deal, I, I was going to events and I was wearing like decked out chaotic gear had like badass business cards uh, and people like, were like, who is this guy coming in? Right. And then I talked to everybody and, you know, get to talking and, you know, still nobody doing deals. Right. Be by the time a year was up in my first year in real estate, I'd say I was probably one of the biggest wholesalers in Georgia, at least for the first couple of years I was in real estate. 
like I'd go to events and everybody knew who I was. So like, oh my sure. God, Justin's here. Like, hey man, you got any deals right now? Like, hey, what you been doing? How many deals have you locked up this month? And everybody else is like, yeah, I did like one deal in the last six months. And I'm done. Like I did three deals this month. You know, like just the biggest fault I see with people just starting in real estate is they, they don't give themselves enough credit to jump in and just start learning and doing. They're like always make an excuse or even worse is what I see is laziness. Mm. And they're trying to ride someone else's coattail. Like mm. get out there and be, be like your own person, you know, like be original, like sure. make your own shit. Like don't copy every single person else that you see doing the same shit. Like do something that's going to set you apart from everybody else. So you can make waves, so you can change the game, so you can make yourself look different and you can attract a different clientele, different buyers, different people that are more motivated. Like Bro. way too many people being lazy, man. Dude, Tanner and I are foaming so at the mouth right now. I know, dude. I know we, we are. Me and Aisham literally talk about Aisham always says this, and it's almost like the motto of our company at this point, which is don't be better, be different. And so you talking oh, yeah, about all of that stuff, like Aisham was saying, I'm sitting here just Jaw just unlocked. I'm locked in. So yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, that's awesome!" I appreciate it, dude. So okay, branding. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Literally, I had two things circled, and branding skills is one of them because clearly you understand okay. brand. And I was trying to match up your story to brand because your story really didn't have anything to do with business acumen or marketing sense or any of that. You know, all the different jobs you had and whatnot. Um, what what made you even think, hey, I want to stand out. I don't want to be like all these other people. I want my thing to look like a tattoo. You know, because when I, I remember when I first saw your brand back in the day, not too long ago, a year ago, that's what I thought. I was like, oh my God, this guy gets it. Look how different he is. He stands out. Like that's what people are going to remember. They're not going to remember your logo that looks like a key or a house or everything else that blends in yeah. like every everyone else's stuff. Um, so talk a little bit, a little more, if you could, about branding and kind of where you got your branding chops from and how it's worked for you in your business. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'd say like the start of it, right. Is going back to high school. Like everybody in high school was so fucking fake, right? Like I had friends that were popular. I had friends that were not so popular and everything else, but overall everybody had their own little clicks and everybody was just kind of fake. You know how it is in, in high school. Mm -hmm. So like, absolutely, I was different. So like in high school, I, I, I wanted like automatically to be different. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be like any of these people. Like, I mean, I have friends over here and I have friends over here and stuff, but like, I don't really resonate with any one click. Like I'm multiple clicks. Right. So like Same. me and my buddies, like we, so we bought a tattoo machine when I was in high school and we like started tattooing ourselves and stuff. So like we had like tattoos and stuff, like when I was like 16, 17 years old <laughs> and you know, you shouldn't have had tattoos in high school and stuff, but it was funny. But I mean, most of our tattoos were hidden. So it's like, we weren't like walking around with, you know, neck tattoo or nothing. But I mean, we did have tattoos in high school. And then right out of high school, I just kept getting tattooed up and I'm just covered. I mean, I'm covered now. But then, that, so that's kind of one thing. Like all, I've always kind of liked standing out and being a little bit different than everybody. But more so than that was, um, I'd say what really clicked it for me was, um, when I got that powder coating and painting job at that, at that shop, um, he had just started his business. His name was Scott, the guy that, that hired me. He had just started his business and he was an older guy and he didn't really know a lot about marketing and branding. 
And he was like, I don't know how to draw in business here. We're a brand new company. Uh, we have a brick and mortar com a business and I have a sign out front, but like, how do I get customers to come in? And I was like, man, you, you need a Facebook page. Like, like Facebook was pretty popular at the time when like it just came out pretty much back then. And I was like, like, it was only a couple years old. So I'm like, you need a Facebook page. Like that's the new thing. Like everybody's jumping on Facebook right now. And he was like, I don't know shit about Facebook. And I'm like, let me start you a, a Facebook page and an Instagram. Like, Instagram had just come out. Facebook had been out for a couple of years and Instagram had just released. And I was like, hey, let's let's start you a Facebook page for, for, for the company and let's start an Instagram page for the company. And I'll just, I'll manage them. Like anytime I paint something or anything, I'll, or anytime I powder coat something, I'll just take a picture of it and I'll just post it on there. That way at least people can see what we do. And he was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And I was like, awesome you need to have like a, a website. Cause like people Google us and like, you don't even have a website up yet. Like you need, like people don't know who the heck you are. They don't have no, you don't have no pictures of what we do or anything. So that was the next thing he got, a, he got a website. And so I kind of like transferred all that knowledge. Like as I helped him literally build his business from the ground up, I learned all these like marketing techniques that we used to draw in people for that company. And so like, I just kind of flipped them to real estate. I was like, Hey, like, Here's what we were doing to get business over there. I like see. we'll do the same thing for real estate. But also um, I, I kind of barely touched on it, but back in the day, like right out of high school, um, I kind of got into professional stunt writing a little bit and I never went like pro pro, uh, but most of the people I was hanging out with at the time did. So like I had a couple of buddies of mine that to this day are still professional stunt riders on motorcycles. And so right out of high school, a couple of them took me under their wing and we were kind of like, playing around in parking lots, doing stunts on motorcycles and stuff like that. And we started doing stunt shows like charity events, fundraisers, um, open houses for like new businesses that just come, uh, just opened up. And uh, as I, as I started progressing through the stunt riding scene a little bit, um, I was basically trying to figure out how I could get more gigs, like how I could get more people to like reach out to me going, Hey, I saw you stunt ride. Like, I just opened sure. up a business. I'd love for you to come ride for us this weekend. We'll pay you $500 or whatever. So as I started like doing the stunt writing thing, I basically was like using the same techniques I was using for that also in my real estate game. So like back in the day, like you're wanting to be as wild and crazy as you possibly can. So people go, wow, that guy's insane. I want him to come ride for us. That would be right. awesome. I had my truck wrapped. I had my bikes wrapped. I had a website, I had YouTube, I had Facebook, you know, Instagram, all that stuff. And I was posting all these cool pictures of us doing wheelies and stoppies and uh, burnouts, all kinds of crazy stuff on there and doing videos and different kinds of crazy stunts that, you know, probably should not have been doing like stuff that would blow up my motor and stuff like that. But I didn't care because I was, I was wild and crazy. So like we did all this stuff and it would grab people's attention and they would like, Hey, you know, we, we saw your truck or, Hey, we saw your video online. You know, I just opened up a tattoo shop. I'd love for you to come to our grand opening this weekend. Uh, we'll pay you like 500 bucks and give you like a thousand dollar tattoo voucher. I'm like, sold. I'll be, I'll be there. You know, so <laughs> nice. I'm like on weekends, stunt riding for like extra cash and like free tattoos and free food for a year at Hooters and stuff like that. So like, that was kind of like stuff that I carried with me when I started my real estate career. Where I was like, man, back in the day when I was doing stunt riding, like I would do this or this or this to grab people's attention. Maybe I can use some of those aspects into real estate and just 
set myself apart from everybody. So that's kind of what I did. I see, dude, your, your journey is unreal. And man, I'm, I'm so glad we connected for real. I, I, I don't, I, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk more offline, but man, it, it's been incredible. I, I know that we only have you for a short amount of time. So I, I want to be a little selfish here and jump into just a couple uh, questions um, as we wrap. But I wanted to ask you right off the bat, what is, what's one of the greatest lessons that you've learned so far in the world of real estate? Ooh, man, I don't, I don't know. There's so many. I would say, I would say I would go back and make it real simple. The biggest lesson I learned by getting into real estate is that anything is possible, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because when so before true. I got into real estate, I never fathomed that I could even make a hundred grand a year. Like I busted my ass working two, three, four jobs at one point. I mean, back when I was like 26 years old, I, I had a stroke because I was working three jobs Wow! and I'm like busting my ass working three jobs barely making 75, 80 grand a year. And I'm like, there's, there's no way it's not even possible to make a hundred. I don't know how people make a hundred grand a year when I'm working three jobs, busting my ass and I can barely make 75,000 a year. Like getting into real estate my first year, I made a hundred grand. I was like, I couldn't fathom that that was even possible before I got into real estate. Then I got into real estate and I was like, holy shit, I made a hundred grand. I didn't even work as hard. And then the second year and then third year and fourth year. And it's just like, all the things that I dreamed about as a kid that I, I never thought would be possible for a poor broke ass kid from Paulde County. Like I've achieved more than I ever thought I could ever achieve. And I haven't even made it to my big goals yet. Right. <laughs> like, my goals are always changing because it's like, damn, I reached a point, a milestone in my life that I never thought was possible. So now I got to make another goal. And then I reached that goal and it's like, fuck, I didn't think that was possible either. So now I got to reach another goal and like now I've gotten to the point where there literally is no goal that I don't think I can reach if I hmm. push hard enough. Like, What's your next big goal? I'd, I'd say the next big goal is to probably get like two to $3 million in my bank account. Hmm. Liquid. Liquid. Yeah. Nice. And it's possible. I know it is because uh, there's multiple people around me that have 10 times that in their bank account that I'm friends with that I personally talk to on a daily basis. And it's like, you know, never in my, never in a million years that I think I'd even be friends with someone who had five, ten million dollars, twenty million, thirty million, forty million, fifty million dollars in their bank account. But I got friends now that do have that in their bank account, and it's like, well, if they can fucking do it, I know sure. I can do it. Yeah, it's good associations, dude. Are you? So you're a married man, right? I am. Has is your? Yep. I assume that you're nine years. Hey, shout out, <laughs> shout out, Miss Shit. Um, I, I can only assume that your wife is supportive. Has she always been this way? Oh, oh. No, not at all. Um, in fact, I'd say it was, it was the biggest struggle with me in real estate for the first couple of years was not only my family and friends not being supportive, but for a long time, she was like, Justin, you really need to get a job mm. every month. Holy shit. Are we going to be able to even pay our bills this month? Justin, like, what are we going to do? We have, we have kids to feed. We have a house payment to pay. Like, and I, I'd gotten so discouraged. Like my first year, I almost lost our house because um, I jumped into real estate and I didn't have no funds. And I was putting every single assignment check I made. 
I was putting it right back in the business. So I could, you know, increase revenue and make more money. So like the first six, seven months in real estate, I'd gotten probably about four to five months behind on my mortgage. And we was in pre foreclosure. We was almost about to lose our house. And then I just happened to get two or three good wholesale checks. And I was like, boom, I paid it all back. And I was like, hell yeah, we're back to normal. We're back to good. And then we started making a little bit better money. And she was like, okay, I support you kind of like, I still think you should get a normal job, but I see that this does make you money and that it is possible. But she ended up going and getting another job to try to help us to make that momentum. So she went and got a job for a little while and was, I was kind of leaning on her a good bit. Um, like my first year or two in real estate, cause she was basically paying food and utilities. And then I'd get a big check and pay like our mortgage and our car payments. Nice. And so like we we might would go like a month or two without paying nothing. I'm like, Oh shit, I ain't gonna say nothing. And then all of a sudden I pay it back and it fucked my credit for a couple of years. But like, bet. That, that's the power though of like, of like trusting yourself, trusting the process and really putting in the work is because that's most true. people would have gave up and just went back to a corporate job or, or just said, man, this ain't working out for me and stuff. But I just kept at it, kept at it. And I kept figuring out a way to pay my bills, kept figuring out a way to just get to the next month gets the next deal. And then eventually that next deal started getting smaller and smaller and smaller to where I was getting consistent, really good deals back to back to back to back to back. And I was able to compound that. I mean, before long, I had, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100, 200 grand in my bank account. And I was like, like, I never thought I'd have $200,000 in my bank account. And when I got to that level, I was like, I'm going to splurge a little bit, you know? And I started buying, you know, nice shit that I wanted. And then get low on bank account. I'm like, Ooh, I got to hustle hard again. <laughs> Dude, I swear you need to write a book if you haven't started one yet. Cause your, your journey is unreal, man. Um, dude. It. So well, it sounds like life is good now. Um, <laughs> but what freedoms has real estate afforded you? Oh my gosh. So one of, uh, one of these uh, podcasts I was listening to, I forget which one it was, but a couple months ago, and they were talking on the podcast about like how sometimes you got to slow down. And, um, and if you work less, sometimes, you know, you get more out of life. Sure. Right. So it was kind of like a spiritual journey kind of podcast talking about how, like, you know, sometimes you have to just kind of slow down a little bit and, and take in, you know, what you have in life and be great, you know, have gratitude and stuff. And I'll be honest, man, the last four or five years now, like, it's been rewarding because like most people are working nine to five or eight to six or whatever every single day. And they're leaving home at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, sitting in traffic for an hour, hour and a half, go to work, get that hour lunch break. You work your ass off all day, come home. By the time you get home, it's eight o'clock at night. You basically eat dinner, tuck your kids in the school uh, for uh, bedtime. And then you're taking a shower and you're going right back to bed and doing it all over again. And the only thing you have to look forward to is the weekend. Right. And sometimes all right. So I pretty much my normal schedule, right. Is I wake up at seven o'clock every morning, seven o'clock. I rush to get ready. I take my kid to school. I go eat breakfast. I go to the gym. I come home. I pretty much relax on the back deck and like read a book for like an hour. And then I just go, what do I got to do today? <laughs> and I'm just, I just kind of like, from there, start making phone calls and emails and stuff and figure out if there's any appointments I have or anything I got to do. And if there's not, then I just work around the house or I go play around my car or I go ride my bike or whatever. But like the freedom of time, I mean, that's the ultimate goal 
And I'm not going to say I have all the free time in the world because there's days where I am super swamped all from, from the moment I wake up all day. But on average, most days throughout the week, I have at least three to four hours a day of nothing to do. Wow. And that's awesome. And the fact that I can carry my kid to school every morning and then I pick up my kid from school every day at two 30. And that's, and, and, and basically while everybody else is getting off of work at five, six, seven o'clock at night, I've already been home for several hours, really just kind of thumb, thumbing through my phone or going through my emails in my office. Like the freedom of being able to work from home or, Hey, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to sit at the house today. You go find a Starbucks somewhere or a Mexican restaurant somewhere and sit outside, fuck around on your laptop a little bit, make some phone calls. Like that is awesome. Like not having to bust your ass, but choosing to, if you want to. What's, what's your team look like, bro? Cause it sounds like, I mean, you're getting a lot of stuff done. You got a big team. We don't, we have, I have five employees that work for me. Um, as acquisition managers, I have one main acquisition manager. His name's Chris. He is my top dog and he is an absolute killer of, uh, at sales. So uh, I really lean on him a lot. So I'd say me and Chris are like, like hand in hand, like really close at sales together. And I'd say he's possibly slightly better than me. Nice. And we, we pretty much single-handedly, just me and him lock up enough deals each month that I don't have to do anything. And I'll be honest, like once I lock up a few deals, my, my month is pretty much over with. Sure. <laughs> Other sure. than if I just want to lock up extras. So like typically if we, if we can get at least four to five deals that month, at that point, I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm chill. If I get another deal, cool. If I don't, not a big deal. But usually I try to get at least six a month if I can. I but, see. Um, like this month, I got three under contract myself. Four, no, four under contract myself, and I got one pending, and then Chris is locked up, uh, or he's working on locking up two. So that'd be six right there. Incredible. And the other guys, yeah. are, they're just cold callers. Yeah, so yeah, so Chris is my number one acquisition guy, and then I got you know three or four cold callers. Um, they don't really cold call all day, every day, though. Like It's not like a traditional team. Sure. Um, they cold call only specific leads, and they only mm. text specific leads, and then they'll also door knock on specific leads. So we're basically pulling niche list of like probate leads, pre-foreclosure leads, or organic leads that people send me. In addition to those two, we have tons and tons and tons of connections with realtors and wholesalers that send us properties. And in addition, we have a networking relationship with OpenDoor. Nice. I mean, yeah, uh, OfferPad. So OfferPad, any deals that they pass on. So if they, if there's someone, if someone sends them a deal in an area that they don't buy, they'll send us the lead and tell us to take it. Wow. So we get deals like that. So, I mean, we're typically getting sent anywhere from five to 10 deals a, a day. In addition to us going out and looking for our own deals. And for your dispositions, like who's, is that both you and Chris as well? Or? Yeah. So we don't do dispositions because we don't wholesale anymore. We haven't ah. wholesaled in about three years. So we strictly are buying and flipping now. Dude. So for the last three years, any deals that we buy, it's either going to be a rental or it's going to be a flip. Um, we very, very, very resell, uh, very, very rarely resell our properties without fixing them up first. But we do sell sometimes, but we don't do them like wholesale traditionally. If we're if we decide to buy something and we decide that we do not want to flip it, 
All we do is buy it and then we relist it on MLS. List it. Yeah, I see. So, for example, like we, we just bought one yesterday, um, a trailer in Villarica, Georgia, and a wholesaler had sent it to me for 89000 We didn't like it at 89000 I was like, ah, I'm going to pass on it. I'm not really interested in a trailer. It's kind of a high price, whatever. He came back like a week a week or two later. He goes, man, I have had no it, no people offer me anything for this. He's like, you're the only one I know that will buy a trailer. Like, what price do you need this at? And I said, I'll be honest, man, I probably wouldn't want that over 60K. Without seeing it, I don't know, but 60K probably. And he was like, ah, oh, I'll get back to you. A couple days later, he comes back to me. He goes, can you do 71? I said, I don't know if I can do 71, but listen, we're close enough that I'll come out and at least look at the property. So I went and looked at the property and I got there and I was pleasantly surprised because it was a really shitty neighborhood, but the house was in really good shape. And I was like, nice. damn, this trailer's in much better shape than I thought it was. I don't, you know, I probably would have gave you closer to 80 now that I see it. But since you said 71, I'll definitely buy it for 71,000. <laughs> so we signed a contract for 71,000. We closed on it uh, two days ago and we looked up comps and the comps are 115 for as is houses in that neighborhood. For trailers, for wow. trailers, they're they're going for one fifteen as is, and the ones that we saw that were going for one fifteen, they didn't even look as nice as the one that we bought for seventy one. So we're going to literally just list it this weekend for like one fifteen. So we Damn. bought it for seventy one and listing it for one fifteen. I love it. I love it. I mean, this guys, this is the stuff dreams are made of. This is why you get in real estate. This is why you stick cool. and stay. This is why you don't focus on your first deal. You know, like. like you, you, you focus on becoming a, a, a good real estate investor. You focus on the goals that you have. You focus on your why. Don't focus on this little small stuff. Just focus yeah. and get the work. You have to take the action. And so, I mean, it's obvious, Justin, you're the man, dude. Like, thank you so much for, for all this value you just dropped. I mean, this is probably one of our longest podcasts, but I, I didn't want to stop it. You know, why do that? Like you're, you're crushing it, man. Tanner, what do you got for Justin before we, uh, before we part? Well, I had a lot, I have a lot, uh, <laughs> for real, like I actually have like a whole page of notes. So, but I will not ask and go into all that full page of notes, but what, you kind of touched on this not too long ago. And I've been meaning to ask this, uh, you know, growing up your, your financial thermostat. Um, we, we talked about that quite a bit, um, on our podcast with other, you know, guests and all that. Um, but you talked about how you couldn't even fathom making a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, that just didn't like connect with you. So growing up, did you always, cause you have a tenacity value and I think it's really evident and, and hearing you speak and, and watching you and the way you talk. Um, there's a reason you're so successful, but did you ever think, um, growing up and, and even to a point where you started maybe even doing deals that that financial thermostat was finally increasing like a hundred thousand. That's nothing. I want to, like you said, two to 3 million in your bank account, right? It's your next big goal, right? And you keep hitting a goal and you go up. So I mean, do you see yourself like, making a hundred million? I don't know if I'll make quite that much, but uh, I don't think I need to either. Like there, there becomes, there's a threshold point that you reach where money is no longer the object anymore. Hmm. In my opinion, like, like there becomes a point where you've reached a certain level of success where you finally go, you know, I, I feel like I've made it. And now all you want is something else. It's not money. It's, it's time. It's freedom. It's, it's just being happy in general. You know, now some people they're addicted. They're addicted to the chase of making that next goal. 
that's kind of me. So I'm like, it, there's a fine line between having having it all and still wanting more. And sure. uh, I definitely see myself sometimes going, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content with what I got. And then there's other days I wake up and I go, nope, not today. I'm going <laughs> to be the beast. And it, just, it's, it changes all the time. Cause like, it, and it's, it really depends on the mood I'm in, to be honest with you. Like some days I'm just like, you know what? I just want to take it easy today. I'm okay. I'm making good money. I have enough money in my bank account. I'm fine. And then other days I wake up and, you know, you know, I'm like, I really want a McLaren 720S. I don't got enough money. Fuck it. I'm going to go work. And I want to, and, and I know that I can reach that goal and buy the 720S. So I'm going to bust my ass until I have enough money to buy it. And then I'll, I might sit back again and go, you know what? I'm content for the moment. But honestly, Dude, for, I, for most I, I entrepreneurs, to... go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, just for I'm most sorry. entrepreneurs, I don't think enough is ever enough. You know, like if you have that entrepreneur mindset, you're always going to be chasing and wanting to work, always grinding, always powering through to get to that next level. Just is what it is. But I will say this real quick. Um, it wasn't really until I, I hit that $100,000 goal that I realized um, the thresholds were changing for me. Like you said, mm -hmm. like, was there ever a point when it started kind of clicking with you? Like, hey, you know, this and that. It, it's funny because like once you reach that goal, you're automatically thinking of the next goal. Because like me, sure. I was like, man, if I could always, like my whole life, I was just like, man, I just wish I could make a hundred grand a year. Like, I feel like if I just made a hundred grand a year, I'd feel happy. But then I met, I hit a hundred grand. I was like, that really wasn't that hard to hit. Like now I want to make 200 grand. And then once I hit that 200 grand, I'm like, that really wasn't that hard to hit either. Now I just want to make, I want to make like 30 grand a month. And then I hit mm. 30 grand a month and I was like, now I want to hit 50 grand a month. And I hit 50 grand a month and I was like, fuck, I wonder if I can hit a hundred grand a month. And I hit a hundred grand a month a couple of times. And then I was just like, eh, the money's not the, the goal anymore. Like hmm. once you hit all those goals, you, you realize like the money chasing is not really the goal. It's the, it's the freedom that that money allows you to do. You don't have to work for a while. You can enjoy right. time with your kids. You can go on vacations. You can buy badass fucking cars. You can buy that nice ass house you wanted. Like you can do whatever you want. You can go out to dinner and lunch and breakfast every single day and not worry about I'm getting low on my bank account. Am I going to be able to pay this bill next week? Sure. Because that's what I used to have to do. I used to have to count my dollars and go, damn it, it's Wednesday and I don't get paid until Friday. I only got $5.15 in my bank account. I need to sell like my skateboard or something for 40 bucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like, yeah, absolutely. That's the goal is to not have to sell nothing to make ends meet that week. I remember one of my one of my first goals was to be able to read the menu from right or, or to not read the menu from right to left. I wanted to read the menu from left to right. I wanted to order what I wanted instead of looking at the price first and then looking at the entree. Um, there's a, there's so, a good feeling when you don't have to pocket watch yourself. So like true. When you don't Very true. have to constantly look at your bank account to wonder if you can pay that bill. That's the goal. The, to not have to worry about what's in your bank account because you know you got it. Like used to, I'd have I'd check my bank account every single day. And now there's there's weeks where I might not even check it at all. You know, like I like watching my bank account, but then sometimes I'll just I'll forget like to check my bank account because I don't have to. 100 percent That's that's the goal for everybody. And and honestly, that's I want that for everybody. Like nobody should have to struggle and nobody should have to work nine to five their entire fucking life and then die. Like right. there's way more to life than that. 
Well, dude, you've, you've given so much insight, man. So much. I mean, I, I almost hate to ask you this question because you've, you've summarized so much, you know, from, from your journey and and story form. And you're an excellent storyteller, by the way. Um, But I do want to leave everyone with this, this one note, you know, if we can condense all this uh, value into one answer, I want to ask you, what is, what's a word of inspiration or encouragement or something that you can give the wholesalers that are in their first year? A word of inspiration. Man, I don't think you can summarize it all in one word, to be honest. It doesn't have to be one word. word. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll, I'll say a phrase. Like, don't, don't be lazy. Like, do not take the easy way out. Like, I see way too many people... Um, that aren't willing to put in the work, but they want, they want the, the, the stuff that comes with it. You know, they want the reward, they want the money, they want the success, but they're not willing to put any effort in whatsoever to get to there. I see way, way, way too many people. They're not even trying to build networking relationships or anything like that. They're literally just getting an email sent to them, tacking on 10 grand, sending it right back to somebody else, hoping that someone bites on it for, you know, 10 grand more without being sure. working off. Don't, don't be lazy. Like put in a little bit of effort, put in some work, call your buyers, call your sellers, call other wholesalers, call realtors, build a network, build relationships. And I promise you, you'll be way more successful because of it. Done. Done deal. Justin, my man, dude, you're in the Atlanta market. You're, you're in Georgia. You're all over the place really. But uh, how can people follow you? How can people get in touch with you? How can people send yeah, so, deals? Uh, uh, you can find us on um, Instagram or Facebook with, uh, and it's just chaotic R E S. So uh, if you just type in chaotic underscore R E S on Instagram. That's our username. Um, same thing with uh, TikTok and Facebook. Um, we also have a website, um, which is chaoticres.com. And uh, you can also look me up on Facebook if you want to be friends with me. If you and if you're a wholesaler in the Atlanta market, please do send me a message and reach out to me if you're wanting to work with me. Um, but you can look me up at Justin ship that's ship with two P's and, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from anybody that's wanting to get into real estate or wants to level up their real estate or, uh, just wants to build some networking relationships. There's gotta be something in the water in Atlanta because you guys are some of the most helpful investors I've ever met in my life. Like seriously. So guys, look, here's the thing. You know, I had a, a call with a gentleman yesterday and he said, man, I've been wanting to call you for, I mean, it was almost like a year now. He's like, but I've just been so nervous. I'm like, me? Like to call me, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, you know, to someone of your stature who's, you know, doing well over half a million dollars a year, you're so helpful. So guys, if you're in that market, reach out to Justin. This is this is the kind of relationship that you're looking to build. And I can promise you, yeah. he's not going to let your excuses fly. Uh, so he's probably yeah. the, the right person uh, for you. Justin, my dude, thank you so, so, so much for all you've done. Thank you so much for the amount of no energy problem. and knowledge that you've, you've you've, you know, let us borrow and, and take on. And bro, I hope that someday, you know, we can, we can repay you. If not, I hope the universe repays you, which I'm sure it will. Um, but man, thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. I really greatly appreciate it. Hey guys, I appreciate y'all bringing me on and allowing me to share my story. And uh, I look forward to hopefully uh, spending more time with you guys and talking to you guys more outside of this, uh, outside of the show, but uh, good luck with the wholesale elite podcast. I hope it works very well for you guys.
Yeah, dude, it's 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 been awesome. We we get great yes. feedback and thank you so much. So guys, chaotic real estate solutions, chaotic R E S K A O T I C is how you spell chaotic. In case you're listening, we will have all this information in the show notes. Justin, you're the man. And guys, look, Beast. we want you in that seat right there. We want you right where Justin is so we can interview you and, and tell your story. But you got to get out there. You got to hustle. You got to make it happen. When you do that, we'll have you on the next episode. Until then, peace. Awesome. Peace out, guys. Appreciate you guys. What up, Elite Fan? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.